Heartiest welcome to CCV Conversations, an initiative of Rajiv Gandhi National University of Law, Punjab. My name is Jyoti and I'm your host for the day. We are elated to have Professor Dr. Debrati Haldeir with us. She has an intensive academic background specializing in international and constitutional law as well as doing LLM in criminal and securities law. She has also done PhD in law from National Law School of Indian University, Bangalore and is currently a professor of law at Parul Institute of Law in Gujarat. She is also a cyber victim counselor, author, speaker, advocate and managing director as well as the founder of India's first ever counseling center for cyber crime victims. We welcome you ma'am and are honored to have you here with us today. Ma'am, you have an intensive academic background and came up with the novel idea of this center. What inspired you to start with the counseling center? Is there a specific instance which you might like to share? Well, I had been a counselor earlier with uh, an American organization working to halt online abuse where I got to see several cases coming up on cyber crime victimization especially for women. In that uh, organization, even though that was an online organization, I did get to understand about the patterns of uh, victimization, online victimization. And I also understood that there should be something which is customized counseling for victimization, uh, online victimization, especially for women from India. And also I understood that there were several women who were basically asking for legal counseling. And this is something which inspired me to start my organization, Center for Cyber Victim Counseling. After that, uh, my academic background, since um, I have done my uh, PhD also on this very uh, uh, understanding that is uh, cybercrime victimization and also the liability of the websites, patterns of the cybercrime victimization, especially for women, and also uh, like uh, patterns for victimization on the social media. I actually understood that there are lots of layers uh, in cybercrime victimization. This had been my main motive behind starting this Center for Cyber Cyber Victim Counseling. All right, ma'am. I think, ma'am, you've inspired us all at the very beginning and uh, we will learn a lot from you throughout this conversation. Uh, Ma'am, moving further, the COVID-19 induced lockdown in India surged most people's internet activity, which has evidently led to an increase in the rate of cyber crimes. And further research also shows that cyberbullying susceptibility has changed with the lockdown. What, according to you, were the contributing factors? Well, see, the first thing that I understand is that frustration, especially from the perspective of the perpetrators. And second is that availability of tools for uh, uh, providing or for uh, doing cyberbullying. Obviously, uh, cyber crime victims, especially when I uh, see the children and also women and also obviously men, I do understand that somehow they have entered into a communication or a relationship 
where bullying was inevitable and in such cases because maybe uh, there was some kind of uh, known uh, knowingly or unknowingly some kind of consent was given or may not be the consent may not have been given but the other side that is the perpetrator probably had understood that this relationship is something whereby i can use some harsh words i can use some uh, insulting or some intimidating words now here again we do get to see lots of layers of victimization because uh, in my understanding cyberbullying does not happen just like that the perpetrator and the victim gets to know each other on several platforms the perpetrator watches the victim and thereafter the perpetrator does not like some of the uh, like you know attitudes some of the uh, characteristics of the victim and also the victim and the perpetrator may not go uh like you know hands in glove kind of thing and thereby the perpetrator start uh, taking up some kind of like you know uh, mentality that they would throw some kinds of bullying words they will throw some kinds of intimidating words some kind of insulting words and thereby the entire scenario of cyber bullying starts uh in my research and also in my experience i have seen that cyber bullying may be the result of cyber stalking cyber bullying may be the result of um, say for example some kind of uh, creation of anonymity between two people so there are different kinds of understanding behind cyber bullying correct ma'am i think you've given us a very practical insight into the whole problem uh for the mom even the use of uh, smartphones internet and social media by children became more prevalent in the pandemic how do you think in guidelines be framed by the government to protect children from sexual harassment and cyber hate given the fact that they are gullible and more vulnerable well if you see from the pandemic uh, lockdown perspective uh, unfortunately it was only window whereby the children could basically interact with their peers the children could interact with their teachers because uh, even though from the very beginning the government or the other stakeholders they were speaking about or they were talking about the vaccines it was basically understood that children do not have the vaccines so even if the adults go out the children were not allowed to go out so what is the way for the children to remain active that is one is that you play at home and the second is that you play online or you interact with your peers online so when this gaming uh, like scenario came or for example when the interactions or for example any sort of uh, activities came children took to uh, tiktok children took to facebook reels instagram reels facebook reels obviously came much later instagram reels obviously they started making lots of content for youtube etc and obviously they were exposed to many different contents now comes the question of what government stakeholders may have done or what they should do um, we all know that uh, in the gaming platforms especially for example uh, say for example pubg uh, earlier tiktok obviously because now both are these things are like both the uh, sites are now banned pubg especially uh, attracted the young minds because it included uh, not only the brainstorming things but also something whereby the children were you know they were getting some kind of physical excitement because i have literally witnessed and also have seen uh, that you know two three children uh, at home say for example if the siblings are there or the neighbors are there uh, neighbors children are there so they will be joining together and they will be like you know making uh, making noise uh, like they will be shouting in excitement and all these things when they are playing these kinds of games
unfortunately one of the uh, characteristics of such games was obviously to uh, like you know make the avatars nude and then again dress them so this was if suppose for example if a child would not have been exposed earlier to any sexually explicit contents this was the first time the child probably would have been exposed to see some nude uh, like images now when i say nude images it does not actually mean that it was showing the private parts obviously the private parts were covered but the child would have been exposed to the idea that yes even that also can be done after that or even before that also i have seen that uh, the children probably uh, like you know have uh, accessed several other uh, pages or several other profiles etc which had uh, shown some sexual explicit contents now the question of what can be considered as a sexual explicit content is something which is a very much twisting legal understanding uh, say for example if you ask facebook or if you ask any other intermediary what they will say is that if you are creating some kinds of content where adults are involved and suppose for example if it is a beach photography or if it is a bathing photography we from our jurisdiction we say it is nudity but you know uh, from the western jurisdiction they do not call it nudity so suppose for example if the child has been exposed to some kind of uh, such contents which were probably beach photography or for example uh, like you know contents on a uh, beach or for example any sort of like you know dancing videos which are like uh, like water dancing videos or whatever it is obviously the child may have considered that you know whether this is something which is morally acceptable or not the second layer of such kinds of like you know sexual explicit content is is obviously something which is deeper that means where the Uh, like you know the the subject matters or the people over there they are being harmed so in such cases they might have experienced something some contents where they may have seen that you know penetration or for example sexual assault etc are happening and this might have uh, raised some kind of inquisitiveness or some kind of like you know intention to experiment the same because very recently we have seen in the newspaper that one uh, person was arrested because he was seeing pornography and by that he got addicted to do something with minor children so obviously we cannot rule out that seeing some contents on the uh, like you know cyberspace some persons including the children or i would rather say the matured adolescents uh, or the middle adolescents that means from the age group of 13 to 16 plus they might have some intention to experiment so it was really very pathetic to understand and also see that during the lockdown period uh, like even though the families stayed together but the children had been exposed to such kinds of contents because nowadays we do get to see at home there are multiple uh, smartphones and the children would like to stay uh, in their own uh, so that uh, you know i call it as cocoons whereby they would not like to be disturbed and the parents also generally feel that it's all right if the children are doing something they would come to know only when the child has experienced something either like you know earlier or maybe like you know two three days earlier when they start realizing that the child's behavior is changing so in such cases obviously it depends upon the government and also the schools that how to uh, engage the children in other way and also for the government how to uh, prohibit such kinds of exposure even though the government has taken certain kinds of uh, like you know uh, prohibited reactions like for example banning certain websites etc in my understanding that is not at all an uh, uh, like you know 
total answer for preventing the children or for protecting the children from uh, cyber sexual harassment or cyber sexual exploitation because you never know that because of the anonymity which child into which profile and how they are being exposed and how they are exposing their uh, say for example their own selves or the data so there are much scope for doing research on this and i think that uh, we as the stakeholders that is the adults the schools the monitor uh, i mean the guardians that is the parents and also the uh, like you know other uh, older siblings we have to take the responsibility so that such children basically especially extremely young children who are very much vulnerable towards the mental health related issues etc and also physical health related issues uh, they should not be exposed neither they should expose their data uh, without uh, knowing the risks obviously no children would be knowing the risks so we have to tell them that you know these are the uh, risks that are awaiting if you are you know uh, going inside any unknown uh, like you know sites or you are mixing up with other uh, like you know uh, strangers etc absolutely ma'am absolutely i think that analysis of the whole problem has allowed us to firstly understand the problem thoroughly and be inclined to think of innovative solutions and follow what all steps you've given very crucially and keep them in mind yes uh, further ma'am uh, i'd like to know that would a disclaimer like uh, this is intended for fun purposes absolve the liability of people or would they still be charged for cyberbullying or related crimes how can mens rea and intention be proved in cases of cyberbullying yes first of all i would like to say that uh, cyberbullying is just a part of a problem there are different kinds of cyber crime victim patterns of cyber crime victimization for example there can be cyber stalking there can be trolling there can be uh, creation of fake profiles revenge pornography etc so we have to understand what sort of uh, like you know victimization it is however i do understand that in some cases we do understand that there are uh, like you know a crime happening which includes all these things like i said that you know cyber stalking may have happened before cyber bullying cyber bullying has probably resulted in creation of fake profile obviously like which may be sexually explicit content or sexually explicit uh, exposure of the victim etc so in all such cases i do not think that if if something is uh, like you know coming with a disclaimer that it is for fun this does not basically save the uh, content creator why now we have to see from the it act perspective that is information technology act perspective there are different sections which basically speak about different kinds of or patterns of criminal activities not only the it act we are also getting to see ipc indian penal code we are also getting to see pocso act and also to a certain extent jj act also with that we are also getting to see indecent representation of women prohibition act obviously along with it we are also getting to see for adults obviously uh, uh, prevention of sexual work uh, harassment at workplace also all in in all such cases what we have to see is that from where the images or from where the contents are being created and you know with which purpose i absolutely agree with you that you know there should be something which is differentiating between actus rea and mens rea see what happens here you have to see the effect test even though effect test is used for understanding about the jurisdiction but i really like this you know understanding of law because what is the effect in 
of the people definitely when you get to see a content you may feel offended when you get to see a content where you are basically a subject matter you may feel extremely humiliated and also you may feel traumatized so even if it is created with a purpose of fun definitely the victimological understanding which i call a cyber victimological understanding must be applied why because suppose for example you probably have seen the most common thing on youtube and also on facebook and also instagram is something if you have seen wedding falls or for example funny wedding videos or for example any sort of funny videos where non consensual capturing of the images i'm i'm saying that this is non consensual consensual capturing of the images but it actually does not include revenge porn revenge porn is something different which may be coming within the broader understanding of non consensual capturing of images but here say for example a girl has gone to a wedding this is something which is like you know regularly been uh, viewed on youtube and she has started eating something now the the her, her posture her body language etc it might be showing that she is liking the taste now suddenly one day you get to see on youtube that the same girl the way she is eating it has been taken from different angles and the text attached with it shows that it is for funny thing obviously this is not funny for the girl because now it has ruined her reputation so in such cases definitely the judges the prosecutors and also the police officers they need to understand that where this actus rea is basically uh, defying the mens rea or maybe actus rea or mens rea are matching generally in my understanding i always tell the victims that you know you have to apply this effect test basically from the victimological point of view when you go to the police you did not like it right you did not want to stay with it and you wanted to report the content because this has been done without your consent even if it is has it has been done with your consent but you have not given the permission to share it on the like uh, uh, online platforms even if you have given the uh, consent for sharing it on on online platforms did you permit it to be watched by millions if all these answers are no then definitely the victim wins and this has to be uh, established by the prosecutors by the cyber crime uh, victim counselors and also by the police before the courts of law and that's how why i am saying all these things the victim may get compensation or the victim may be compensated for what she or he or even for a child also did not want to happen but uh, the perpetrator even if it is for irrespective of whether the perpetrator was doing for fun or there was a serious uh, mens rea whatever it was there the perpetrator learns a lesson that i should not have done this this is what you uh, like uh, like understand when we talk about negligence when we talk about delict right so in my understanding this is something which is very very important that even if you are a child even if you are a uh, like a matured adolescent even if you are a young adult or even if you are a matured adult you must understand what is going to be the result of your action if you are using the social media in a like you know a huge way right ma'am definitely i agree with you and thank you so much for explaining it so lucidly this affect our everyday lives however it is today that you've inclined us to mull over it thank you so much ma'am yeah. ma'am do you also feel that uh, there is an inherent bias in our laws which deal with sexual harassment for example section 354 clause d of ipc which mentions only about harassment of women do you also feel that these laws should be made more gender neutral absolutely 
Why I am saying? Because Section 354D speaks about women being victims. Does it say about perpetrators as women? Or does it say about men being victims and perpetrators again for uh, women? Because I have handled cases where I have seen stalking has been done to women by women. Stalking has been done, I mean, cyber stalking has been done to men by women. Now, in all such cases, I have got to see, even if I tell the victim to go and lodge the complaint to the police, etc., the victim basically comes back empty-handed, and there the victim gets a U-turn to take some kinds of irrational coping uh, technique. Why? Because the law says that there is no relief for you, and the police basically, because they are guided by the law. They also say that we are sorry because we do not recognize this case. So what happens is that the punishment that is given under Section 354D, it may be sometimes it may be like, you know, uh, depending upon the entire uh, uh, way of acting in that particular uh, like cyber stalking, etc. It may be considered as bailable offense also, but it may be considered as cognizable offense also. The entire thing, if woman versus woman or woman versus man comes in question, then the entire thing loses its basic characteristics of section 354D and it goes to some other section, which may have lesser punishment, which may be like bailable, which may be non-cognizable, or if it is cognizable, it may be having such a petty punishment that the police will generally say that, no, we are not going to take this case because we have seen in the CRPC and also which is supported by IPC, the police officer may decide that this case is not fit to have a registration in the FIR or even for general ID also. So what the police officer may do, may do, they may simply say that, you know, try uh, to uh, resolve the matter outside the police station or you try to do something whereby this may not happen. And there the police officer may play a role of a good Samaritan where the police officer may try to tell the perpetrator that do not do it. But we have to understand in all such cases, it is not only a biased law, but also it is basically uh, uh, marring certain kinds of evidences. Also, it is destroying especially women and also men's trust in the judiciary, in the in the legal uh, like infrastructure. So obviously, I feel that, yes, the law is biased in certain cases. However, um, I would also uh, say one thing that, say, for example, when it, com when it comes to voyeurism, we do have a gender neutral uh, statute also that you can see in IT Act. So it's not like that, you know, you have a twinning section in some other statute. But what I understand the law, it, it is time that the law must be amended. And obviously, women must be given protection. But that does not mean that women must be given protection only against men or men must be given protection only against women. It's not like that. The law should be structured in such a fashion that equality of the law should be there at the same time women must be getting more protection thank you so much ma'am thank you so much for all these questions uh, for all these answers and all your answers to our questions uh, with this we come to the end of our conversation and uh, we are so happy that you were here with us we had such a learning experience uh, we hope to have many more conversations with you on related subjects in future and uh, at last we thank our patient audience for being with us today. Do be on a lookout for future episodes and write to us about the people you want us to engage with this uh, with us in this venture. So until next time, take care and stay safe.